Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. And today, we're in the food space. I cannot even wait to unpack this brand. Pillars Yogurt. I can't... I'm, I'm hungry, and it looks amazing, and it's, it's just a... In a booming category right now on the podcast today is Eric Bonin. Eric, it is so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Justin. Thank you for having me. You're a great hype man. Dude, I'm excited. I love new brands. I love really cool, interesting brands. I get to meet a lot of great founders and I couldn't wait to meet you. I have to tell you, um, doing homework on you and your product. I, I mean, this is in this category is just on fire right now. So, um, Eric's the founder and CEO of Pillars Yogurt, as I mentioned, based out of Boston, but today he's coming with us uh, from Florida, which is very exciting. Um, Eric, Let's do this first. Let's start with your background. Uh, you didn't come up through the food industry, although you had some food experience and whatnot, but you started off in finance and, and whatnot. Talk to us about your path and how you got to starting your own business. Sure. So the story is a, a long, windy journey like a lot of us have, for sure. But the, the condensed version... So I just I was always very entrepreneurial ever since I was a little kid. I had all these little like kind of side hustle businesses when I was very little, like going door to door, landscaping, selling magazines like Mark Cuban, all that kind of crazy nice. stuff. And then when I got into high school, I started sourcing golf clubs out of China and reselling them on the internet before like Alibaba was around. Uh, when they, when no one knew who they were, like just the craziest little things. Uh, just trying to really like figure out better mousetraps and how to like add value. And that's, that was kind totally. of always in my DNA. So, um, the foray into food came a little later. I went to school for finance and I did the wall street thing for a few years out right, of school. I saw that. Yep. And this was, uh, probably the worst time in history to go into finance. <laughs> 2009, 2010, 2008, yeah. 2009, <laughs> yeah. right at the crash that everybody may or may not remember anymore, but not a great time for that. But uh, I did that for a few years and, Actually, right around the same time, 08, I, uh, I was very into, uh, I've always been into health and wellness and fitness and healthy diets and understood like the correlation between having a healthy diet and what that would do for your, for your life and your lifestyle. Absolutely. And so that was always close to the best for me. And this was right around the time also that Greek yogurt was becoming uh, what it was in the US. And basically, like if you were to say, Chobani was becoming Chobani and they just kind of like became this billion dollar company, turned this into uh, basically a commodity and uh, there was a lot of buzz around it. So I actually started working on um, a product that fed a, a need for me, which was basically a healthier ice cream alternative. Sure. And I was working on this nights and weekends while I was doing this Wall Street jobs and uh, over the course it's like of your side hustle, another one. Yeah. One of the <laughs> nice. Got it. And, uh, so it actually started out with me. Like I borrowed like a Mickey mouse ice cream maker from, uh, from my girlfriend's family. And I was like, <laughs> playing around in the kitchen, trying to figure out how you like freeze Greek yogurt. Cause I use that as a base and all this crazy stuff. So that was really my first like foray into food. And, uh, I guess like, uh, I got a, prelim food science background there, but that's kind of how it started. Um, fast forward that story. And I ended up leaving the wall street jobs 
to pursue the development of this product full time. That was around then now like 2012 timeframe. Sure. And Greek yogurt was very established at that point. Uh, that didn't end up working out the way that I thought that it would. I had a, a plans for it. We had a deal with a company that was kind of going to buy it out and do some different things with it, but it, it didn't end up panning out. So I went to work for uh, a Greek yogurt uh, at the time. They were an earlier stage company. They were making private label Greek yogurt up in Vermont. And I met the CEO for coffee. He offered me a job, basically like whatever he didn't have time to do. He needed <laughs> he gave to you figure a lot of stuff out. So oh, I went, nice. I went from wall street to the farms of Vermont and <laughs> uh, really touched every part of the business, learned a whole lot of different things uh, from source and milk to building branded products to uh, all kinds of crazy stuff, you name it. And uh, towards the end of the time at that company, which is a little over a year, I, uh, I started getting the creative juices going again, and I really wanted to build something, create something of my own. And I saw what was out there in the landscape of, of this boom of Greek yogurt. And there wasn't a lot of differentiation. Everyone had kind of rushed into cups of Greek yogurt. It was just basically a commodity. Totally. Uh, and what could you do to sort of add, make a better product, a better mousetrap and add value back for people? And for me, the things that were important at that time, very important to me were protein, higher protein, lower sugar, and uh, gut health. And so I started just kicking around ideas. And then I, I was driving to a meeting for these guys. I had a cup of Greek yogurt, which is what they made. And I spilt the thing all over my dress pants. Oh, no. It was a little bit of a, <laughs> a light bulb moment of I could make this more convenient and a drink. And that was like a, uh, I think a core tenet of the idea, which was like, you could see the consumer trends, which were starting to be more in this high protein, low sugar. And then as far as lifestyle, everybody was much more on the go doing probably too much. And uh, so how do you like solve for that? Why? And so I started thinking about this in the, in the drink format and that's kind of how that came to be. Wow. Yeah. So the, it, it sounded like your experience working in the dairy actually really helped you to understand the business better um, and, and probably under, develop some of your network, right? In the space to be able to go out and start getting some help to get your own brand started. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I probably, that maybe was my warning shot at, at what, it, what all that went into a business like this and dairy. Right. And uh, I would say, you know, dairy in particular is a highly, highly nuanced category with a lot of stuff that, um, that goes into it. There's, there's a lot of, it's basically a block on the food pyramid. And so it's, and it's also a commodity and it's like highly regulated. There's a lot of like price supports and things like this, but it's just highly nuanced. So it, it did definitely help to have a background in, in all of that. And, uh, and kind of going through helping with developing products for a larger company, you could kind of see the different steps of what went into it. So I got a bit of an education, but there was there was a whole lot more once you get into it and start doing it sure. on your own. Yeah, no question. And that great segue. Um, yeah, so it's one thing to see an opportunity and, hey, I think I can solve this problem. It's another to have your own business in the space. What were the first steps to getting started? Yeah, it was really... So I, I left that company. I started a, um, a consulting business doing a lot of the operational stuff I was doing for them. And then I started Pillars about two months later. And so I used the kind of one business to sort of fund and develop pillars to be able to sure. um, do that without having to raise capital and which was an interesting and another sort of 
story for another day, a lot of lessons learned there, but it, uh, it just, it kind of forced me to figure it out. And I think there's, especially that at that time, that's like seven and a half years ago, there were much less resources available than there are today for people trying to like figure this stuff out. So it was really just a lot of trial and error. And I literally spent two and a half years calling and visiting people all over the globe, basically to source every one of the ingredients, uh, get <laughs> wow. the recipe. I did all the recipe development, the flavors. Yeah, the how did you do that? How did, did, did you know how to do that? Did you have to depend on, on someone else to help you? I mean, how did that work out? I just got a real, like just a lot of trial and error. I mean, honestly, we had several hundred versions of, of the recipe wow. even before we launched like commercially. And so it was just a lot of just figuring it out. And, um, I think I got a good education and sort of a, a maybe an honorary degree in food science along the way. And just how you like, you know, and then you, you develop a recipe in your kitchen and it's, you have to figure out how to scale that. And so we, you know, we shifted to a co-packer and you have to fit certain processes and things like this. And you would think drinkable yogurts, it seems simple, but our, as those few hundred trials took place, you would, you would then learn it's a highly like very sensitive product to make with a lot of like intricacies. And, uh, it's, it's actually very, very complex. And that's part of, you know, there's not a lot of IP protection in food, but that's kind of sure. like one of the protections that we have, which is hard to make. <laughs> wow. Um, all right. So you have this idea, you've got some recipes. Uh, when did it go from, interesting recipes that you were working on, um, in ingredients, how, how long did that take? And like, what did that look like? Well, it started, it started with this, Justin, I think is a, it's just an interesting way to think about it. That is always guided the way that I thought about like the product innovation and product development, which is like, start with a vision, like a sort of a visualization of, of having a really good why. So this, our product was, basically a better mousetrap. We certainly weren't the first yogurt drink to come out in the market, but we were the first with no added sugar. And then also the first with pre and probiotics. So those were like our answers to a consumer's why, why am I going to buy this? And it's not just enough to have, I think like a simple answer. You have to have a few answers to that question. And so I had these sort of guiding nutritional targets that we wanted to hit. And that that's what really guided the innovation. So uh, just a lot of trial and error. Once we got a working recipe, then uh, we got in touch with a co-packer and we brought that into their process. And again, that was uh, still about a hundred practice runs to get that right. right. It doesn't just happen, right? right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, after many, many times of doing that, the last try we we finally got a prototype and uh that prototype that was was good enough and uh we ran about a thousand bottles we i started the trek back from new york which is where the co-packer is located back to boston sure. with the stuff in the back of my car without refrigeration oh, nice <laughs> another lesson learned <laughs> right and, uh and then you know we get halfway through the ride and and I tried one of the bottles and it was totally ruined and we had to start. Oh, no, so, <laughs> that's terrible. There's a lot of those moments, but basically, right. you know, we, we, we took that, um, that was kind of the, 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 the point of validation where we had a product. We knew what we needed to do short, shortly thereafter we figured out what the issue was and we were able to produce it well and, uh, in a product that would, uh, be able to be suitable enough to 
been on shelves. Got it. And then how did you know, was there a time when you knew, okay, I actually think we have something here. In other words, you know, was there a trial with consumers beyond friends and family? Um, were there retailers interested? Like what was kind of the initial signal that you're like, okay, actually, I think we got something here that could be viable. Yeah. Great question. The moment of that was actually, so while I was running these, you know, we're running the production, trying to figure out the product. I'm also wearing the sales hat. Right. You're kind of all all roles. At that time was, uh, was Whole Foods was actually our first customer. And so at the, at that time, which was 2000, and this is like 16 now, and they had a pretty, uh, they had a great program. They still have it, but it's a lot, it's a, it's a bit less than what it was, but it was a local vendor program. And I just essentially knocked on the doors of the, the local two Whole Foods around me. And I was able to convince this local forager sourcing person, Hey, here's like a sell sheet that is kind of like what we think the product's going to look like. If I could get this to you and deliver it to your store, would you agree to put it on your shelf and test it? And I was able to convince two of those stores to say yes. And Got it. Uh, that was kind of the, that was the, the first customer that we had. And so I took that product from the, this, this small run and I delivered literally out of the back of my car, the first cases to Whole Foods, uh, the first two stores. And the, the aha moment was I delivered those a day apart and the two stores had called back really within 24 hours and both of them had completely sold out. Wow. Of the That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was very, you know, one little anecdotal data point, but at two locations and like a brand new product, of course, it was like, it was obviously exciting to get that call. And then that story repeated itself. And I, and that's actually the story I used to then sell into five stores and 10 stores and 20 stores. And yeah, so it was very much brick by brick, store by store at the beginning there. Did it become a challenge from a supply chain perspective or inventory perspective? It's one thing to, you know, make a couple of cases for two stores, but it's another and you start getting five, 10 or more stores, right? Yeah, I was very fortunate to have the experience that I did in that that prior role at the other dairy company. So I got I learned a lot with production and um, supply chain redundancy and things like this, so that I was a little more prepared to like have the foresight uh, to know that we had to you know be very solid in our supply chain, well ahead of the demand, especially in a product like this and, and dairy that has. Know, high minimums and stuff like that when you're dealing with co-packers. Sure. Makes sense. Um, yeah. And I can imagine that that's a high class problem though, right? At that point when you've got, I mean, orders coming in and, and whatnot. What about from a marketing perspective? Did you have to do anything early or was it already just being picked up kind of naturally, no pun intended, um, by shoppers? Well, from the marketing standpoint, the uh, the, the only marketing that we did in those days and that I did, I really just, it was honestly the early days were really just Eric, um, 90 hours right. a week for, for way too long <laughs> doing like 20 different things as, as you know, most people who start out and stuff like this, that's, that's the life that you sign up for. But sure. a big part of what we did there was in-store demos when that was allowed. And I think that that honestly still even today is one of the most powerful impactful ways that you can build uh, an early stage business in, especially in food and beverage, totally. it, what it allows you to do is just tell your story to the customer at the point of sale. And there's really no other marketing that you can do that and, and get real live blunt feedback right there. And totally uh, right. that's, 
that's how it was. It was, you know, brick by brick and uh, customer by customer taking like that feedback and then tweaking little things based on, on that. But you also then see who's, who's interested in your product, why they want to buy it. And you can validate that why that you think you created it for um, and kind of adjust and, as you need to. <laughs> I love it. You know, you mentioned early that you used your day job to fund the side hustle that became the day job. And you said that there was a lesson learned there around not taking capital. What, what does that look like? Give us some perspective on that, because I think that's a tension that many entrepreneurs have to face. You know what I mean? When they're starting a new brand, what did that look like for you? And what's your coaching around that? Yeah, I... Again, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to it. I think what I've learned is I'm maybe been uh, the poster boy on what not to do or for to maybe do it. Uh, I think that it's just rel- it's a very relative answer, and it depends on what your end goals are and and how you want to get there. For me, the reason I can tell you the reason I didn't do it is I had uh, just certain preconceived notions on like the finance world and sure. uh, giving away basically like trying to give away my company to people who I just felt like weren't going to care as much as me. And I, and in hindsight, these are, these are false biases and things like this, but I, you know, there's some level of truth to it. And I, I learned a lot of lessons in, in just bootstrapping it. And, uh, and we've actually continued to do that all the way through. And I think it just, uh, it may be the, the value is in the lesson. And, and, uh, and for me, it's, uh, it's been something that I've looked at and looked back on. Uh, I'm thankful for some of the decisions I've made and the lessons I learned from that. But is it the best and most sustainable? No, I mean, it, it, it comes at a cost of other things like sure. opportunity, right? trade offs. That makes sense. Um, so here we are uh, coming out of COVID. So, what is, what does the year look like? What's ahead? What are the big things you're working on? Yeah, absolutely. Well, COVID is interesting. We uh, we still had a, a good year, thankfully, and we we grew uh, we grew quite a awesome. bit despite uh, despite the business having some impact because our our products, especially our drinkable single serve product, we have a single serve and a multi serve now, uh, which we launched kind of in response to COVID. We could see more people at home and doing these types of things. Our single serve is very much on the go and lifestyle driven, and that's a big reason why people buy that product and. People were at home. They weren't. They weren't on the go, going to work, or going out to the gym and working out, or, right. or anything. An active <laughs> totally. lifestyle. So, uh, we we did get a a bit of a ding on that business, which is thankfully coming back now. And then uh, coming out of COVID, uh, we're we're continuing to grow. Actually, we just had a very large expansion nationally with Whole Foods. They uh, they gave us a, a national expansion. We were in two regions. We expanded nationally. So that was a big win for for us as a team. And it kind of gave us full distribution across the country, which is wow. huge. Amazing. That just launched in January. So uh, we're looking like a pretty... It's a great off to the races start so far in 21. This, this new line of ours is doing uh, very well. And we're going to be expanding into new innovation and other parts of the category in the next few months that we're pretty excited about. We also launched uh, direct to consumer through our website. I saw that. Yep. And this is a really interesting one. I think maybe some value for people out there that are thinking about it. You saw everybody in our space jump in, and it's still right. like this, <laughs> right to it. Yep. Yeah, it's like this really interesting. I guess gold rush that everybody felt like they had to jump on and wanted to jump on. And 
obviously we're, we're there too, but I think the interesting part for, for a product like ours is that it's, it's a heavy right. liquid product. That yeah. Shipping is not cheap. <laughs> it's basically the, the app, the thing you shouldn't be doing D to C, but right. we're trying, we're trying, it's a really a great, I think, learning opportunity uh, for us and, and to really like prove out uh, the, the sort of test case of whether or not a product like this if can be financially feasible to do in a model like D2C. And I think there's also a lot of other value beyond like we look at it as a sales channel that we can own, but we also can extract a lot of data from and have a really good direct line to our customers. So I think there's a lot of value in that that's uh, sort of intrinsic and not just like the top line, which is you know obviously important, but sure. uh, we're learning. We're learning and it's early. So far, so good, but it's it's early. When you started, I, you've got some great flavors here. Mixed berries, strawberry, banana, peach, mango, mixed berry, plain. I mean, you've got raspberry. So what did you go to market with all those initially or have those been added over time? What did that look like? We launched with four back okay. uh, 2016 and they've changed over time. The the top three flavors are mixed berries, strawberry, banana, and mango. Got it. And those are very consistent. Um, we have a few new flavors that launched in that larger size. But yeah, it, it came over time. We're at nine total flavors now. So, and there's a couple more again on the way. So the the family of yogurt kids is expanding. It's <laughs> cool. Continually. That's very really cool. Good- I love it. Um, and then where do you guys sit in the category? Just share with our audience a little bit about the yogurt category. What, what do you find in your, your part of the business? Yeah, we, we're um, right now just we're playing, we play in the drinkable space. So I think it's been interesting to watch. Actually, drinkables is, is one of these very interesting stories from the last few years where when I, when we started, we were first on shelves in 16 uh, Greek yogurt was a mature category and, um, yogurt was still the large majority of it, which it still is, but drinkable, uh, was becoming a pretty large segment. It was about a billion dollar segment and it's, uh, it's growth has slowed a little bit, but it's, it's now picked back up. And I think if the thing that's interesting is you look at the U S relative to other parts of the world, where, uh, if you look at a place like maybe, uh, Latin America or even sure. Mexico, Drinkable yogurt is a is a massive category, and if you go into the yogurt sets down there, it's like drinkable is all you see. In the right. U.S., I think it's it's actually it's a large category, but I think it's still relatively unknown. Like even today, with all these major players, there's still a lot of people, customers that we get who are surprised that you can drink yogurt. So I right. think it exactly uh, yeah. that's that's interesting. That's really cool. Um, what a great space to be in and category that's really growing. And yeah, I love your unique innovation and the flavors. Um, I, you know, you've shared some great advice as we've gone through today. I'd love to give you a chance to offer another piece of advice or two to our listening audience. I always love to have our guests do that. Um, for those entrepreneurs that are listening, what would be the things they should be thinking about in starting their brand? Yeah, so many of them. We could. Have <laughs> you can go more than one or two. <laughs> well, the few that I would give that I, I think have been the ones that I come back to a lot is um, I would, you know, I, I think it's very important to protect your health and your wellness and well being along the, the journey of, of, of starting your own business. And it's really an absolute grind. It's one of the most rewarding things you can do, but it's um, it's very, very hard to maintain balance. So I think 
just having a mindful health practice, whatever that may be. I mean, I have a pretty intense one at this point that I think like keeps me sane and going, but I think just being mindful of your health and trying to keep some semblance of balance of the different areas of your health, your wellness, like your relationships, uh, try to continually zoom to like a place of balance in those areas. Uh, because again, it's, it's a long journey that they're just the by default of entrepreneurship, like balance is not a thing. It's you just, it's only a thing if you're continually mindful of like making it a thing. And so that's, that's been something that I've constantly had to remind myself on. And uh, I think the other one is just to try to enjoy it. Like put, pull your head up out of the day to day of the million things that we're all doing and doing too much of to <laughs> right. just try to take like a mindful pause and look around and just like celebrate the small wins that come up because it goes so fast. And when you don't totally. do that, you end up like years down the road and like what, what the heck just happened. And I, I think it's like <laughs> right. being so far along now, I think like that's the thing that I feel a lot um, now is, is just like, enjoy the journey. It's like, it's more about the journey than it's, than it is about the outcome. Oh, I love that. Dude, so cool. Can't wait to follow your growth and uh, where the business goes. Uh, share with our listening audience where they can connect with you, buy your product, um, you know, learn more about the brand, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Pillarsyogurt.com. And we've, as we talked about, just launched Ecom D2C. So you can buy the products there. We're in Whole Foods nationally. Uh, a few other, a few thousand other stores. You can go on the website and look and find a store near you uh, that that's the best place to find us, pillarsyogurt.com. I love it. Man, this has been so cool. I'm excited for you. And um, I appreciate you making the time. You've got some great advice for all of us. And what a cool story of just taking something that was kind of going on the side. And and now it's it's growing and going national. So man, congrats and look forward to having you back on. Thanks so much, Justin, for the opportunity. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.